welcome everybody. Uh, everybody includes uh, folks that are online. Hello, online people of the world and the internet. Yeah, and uh, everyone at East and West and RCMU. We are doing a series called The 167. I've talked to some folks who are like, what's that mean? Well, let me explain this. You were taught, I think in first or second grade, but we'll go, we'll go second grade, that there's 168 hours in a week. We're going to spend an hour together, which leaves you with 167 remaining. If you need help with the math, that's not a part of this series. You'll have to go do that on your own. But that's, we're talking about the 167 hours that, well, that you're not in church, that you're, you're living life all over the place. Something is consuming your uh, 167, by the way. Uh, I, can, I can show you what's consuming my 167. Um, it, it looks like, well, this guy. Yeah. Yep. I appreciate that. Many have asked, you know, how's he doing? And, and, and I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm making it. Um, I don't think that's what people have been asking about, but that's my response is I'm doing okay. Um, Bo is his name, and, uh, and he and Mama are getting a little bit of sleep. Uh, each, I feel like each week, there's only two weeks so far, but it's progressing. And if you've ever had a newborn in your home, you know, yeah, this is my 167, uh, right? right. Uh, well, you've got your own 167. And, and we thought we'd help, by the way, in your seats or seat backs or somewhere around there is this card. And you're like, I wonder what that's for. Well, this is for you to take, by the way. This is not like because it's nice and you're like, oh, do I leave this? Is this for me to write? Or, no, this is for you just to take. And, and there's literally a script for each day. If you're like, I don't know how to really add a little bit of purpose to my 167. This is just a tool just for you. If you're like, was this the same as the first week? No, this is different. And just a tool for you to be able to, to use to add purpose, even, just the, even if it's just a short amount of time, to your week. So, as you've been already thinking about your 167, I don't know if it's gone well. And we're about to start a new one. And I don't know how you see the week right now. I don't know what's going on in your life. And, and if you were a part of the first week, you know that we talked about how you actually run your 167, like, like time management. Incredible message Pastor Todd gave it. It was, it was great. It was so helpful. I want to go uh, even, even deeper into this and look at perhaps if, if someone were to look at your 167 hours, not you, someone else, if they were to look at it and, and characterize it, like actually get one word. Some of you, you don't, you don't like these little singular decisions, like one word descriptions of your whole week, but I think we ought to go there because your week should have a, have a vibe to it, a direction to it. And as you're thinking about what characteristic or something like that that you would like to have for your 167, I want to show you Jesus because I think he's the greatest model to imitate. So, so watch this. Here's, here's some just excerpts from his life. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone because he was tired. Okay? But the, the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from, from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. Remember, he's tired. <clears throat> and he had compassion. Now, obviously, I mean, you're smart people. You know that I'm isolating a word there. Just, just remember, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. All right? There's a lot more. 
As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. He seems to be followed quite a bit. Some of you would hate that. Some of you would love that. But he got followed quite a bit. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. I mean, screaming like, heal us. But watch, the crowd rebuked them. If you don't know what that means, if you knew the Bible, they basically told him to shut up. They did. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder. <laughs> You're like, go for it. Uh, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And even though the crowd saying, shut up, Jesus stopped and called them. I love Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Uh, he knew. He asked, Lord, Lord, they answered, we want our sight. We want to see. Jesus had, there's that word again. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. There's more. I just, I can't resist showing. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus begging to be healed. By the way, if you had leprosy, you could not approach a person without leprosy, but he, he broke all the rules. If you're willing you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion. There's that word again. Moved with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Let me just show you one more, even though there's a ton more. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. Are you catching it? Hopefully you're like, I'm, I'm getting it. They have already been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come long distance. After that, he, he fed over 4,000 people with just a little bit of food. If you missed it, just for the sake of maybe, maybe you got distracted, here we go. Jesus filled his 167 hours with compassion. That's what he did. You can go study the life of Jesus all you want. I think you ought to do that. If you studied his life, some of us might come up with, well, here's what he did with his week, and, and here's what he did with his week. But I think, it had, I think it had something about each of the week. All that he was doing was filled with compassion. That's how I think you and I now, and the people then would say, hey, who wants to describe Jesus' 167? Most people, if they thought about it, they would say it was pretty much because he's the son of God filled with compassion for us. That's Jesus. So what is, what is the character trait of your 167 hours? Don't answer that out loud because some of you won't have a good word. Can we, can, we, can, can we, okay, I have a newborn in our house, okay? My whole 167 wasn't full of compassion. There were moments, right? And I think you probably had moments too. Perhaps when you were driving, I think that's when we have the least amount of compassion, but maybe it was driving, or maybe it was at work, or, or maybe it was just with a, someone you were around a lot. Maybe it was at school. But, but when you think about your, your, your previous 167, what character trait would not you but others say about you and your 167? Because if you lean into that, some of us have great answers. We're like, I actually um, had a really good week. <laughs> and some of us would say, can you move on to a different question? I think if you're going to look at your week as you ought to, it should look a lot like how Jesus looked at the week. I don't think Jesus was just saying, I'm here to be a nice guy. <laughs> no, he knew the world needed compassion. 
In fact, I think, could we not all agree right now that our world right now is desperate for compassionate people? For just some people to show up and say, well, I see you. Here, let, let me, every week gives us an opportunity to move our attention beyond ourselves. This is what I think Jesus knew. He knew it, he knew it, and he knew it well. And you and I, if you look at just normal life, whether it's your school, your work, your home, or just in general the whole globe, can you imagine a world like this? And even though some of us would say, well, David, we're all individuals, we're all very unique, uh, we have different vocations, different things we're doing with our lives, and yes, I know that your week might look different than mine, and mine different than another person's, and we might say, well, all of our weeks should look differently. I would disagree. Yeah, the details, yes, but the character trait, the character trait of all of our weeks should be beyond our own little circle called me, where you and I can actually move and be aware of others and bring compassion to all of the places that Jesus wants you to. And so since you don't disagree with me, because I know you don't, since I know you're like, you're right, we need more compassion, you should then go, so why don't we have more compassion? Like, who's the person robbing us of all compassion? Well, you are your own decision maker. And I thought I'd give you what I perceive to be some of the main reasons that you and I withhold compassion. Let's just go through. This is just simple. This is simple. Anger. I've been wronged, so I do not want to show compassion. Think about right now. Here's a fun thought of the last person who really hurt your feelings. Huh? Yeah. Did you immediately think, you know what, I just have compassion for you. You are so sweet. No, you didn't, most likely. Do you see how anger, if you're an angry person, if, you, if you're stewing about something, if someone cuts you off or does you, does you wrong in some way, we typically do not respond with, and here's some compassion, even though that's what Jesus did. This could be one of the primary reasons you are not showing others compassion. By the way, if you don't know what we're supposed to do in church, we're supposed to come hear what God has to say to us. That's a part of a church service. So I hope as I list these things out that you're open enough to God, like kind of pressing in on you saying, hey, that's you, okay? So be open to this. I've got more. Selfish is one where you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't show compassion because I flat out don't care. <laughs> and I don't know how vulnerable you will be in church right now. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But do you know that most human beings have a list, we don't make the list, of things that we frankly do not care about? And unfortunately, if you made the list, you might find some things on the list that you ought to care about. And many of us right now do not show compassion because, again, we're so focused on ourselves, we don't actually truly care about other people's issues. That's really close. Let's, let's move on. Uh, jealousy. Now, I've never met a jealous person who says, yes, I'm jealous, but in, in, I don't have what they have. This is why most of us like, why would I help someone out who seems to have everything? They don't need anything. Well, that's not true. You know, many of us look out at the world and other people's lives and we're like, oh, their lives look 
awesome and perfect, and so we don't show them compassion because we just assume they do not need it. Yet I think, according to the Bible, every one of us was created with a need for compassion. So it doesn't matter how much money you make, what you drive, where you live, what you do for a living. None of that matters. You still need compassion. Stop letting jealousy rob you of an opportunity to do what Jesus did. One last one, and then I'll I'll move on. Protection. I'm afraid to get too close. Some of us would never admit this, but this is way true. This is vulnerability. Meaning you see someone's need, but you know that if you get too close to that, they could know some things about you, or even worse yet, you could get emotionally connected to the problem. So many of us tell us as a protection mechanism, we tell ourselves, then don't, get, don't do anything because it could hurt. See, these are just some of the reasons. Some of the reasons that you and I refuse to bring compassion to an individual let, let, me, let me put some color to this with a story. Uh, I read a story. It's true, by the way, because some of you are like, I read a story. Uh, it, was, it was something that happened in Florence, Italy. Uh, and and here's, here's how it goes. There were three American women. I'm not picking on women. This is the story, okay? So there's three American women in their 20s. They went to Florence, Italy. And one of the things that you do when you go visit Florence, Italy, and you rent an apartment and you live there for a little bit is you go get authentic Italian noodles and make yourself some Italian pasta. That's what they did. They went and got the best. People told them where to go. They got the best noodles. They brought it to their apartment, and they made noodles. Here's how they did it. They took the noodles, they put it into the pan, and they turned the stove on. Now, if you've never made pasta, that's not exactly how you do it. There's water required. Some of you thought I just left that out, but no, that's, no, they left it out. I'm just telling you the story. So these, these ladies, these wonderful ladies, trying to make authentic Italian pasta in Florence, Italy, ended up starting a fire in their apartment, had to call the fire department to come to extinguish the fire. I'm not lying. And there was this whole debacle that, guess what, hit the papers Because when you have three American women in Italy trying to make pasta, yet they burn the apartment all up, that goes to the papers. So, the reason I tell you this, because I frankly don't care if you can cook pasta. These are the comments on the internet of the newspaper who posted the story. Now, can we just, disclaimer, Most comments on newspaper articles are mean and hateful, okay? If you've never read them, I'm just helping you out in life. Here are the comments about that story. These these are not my comments. Do you understand that? Okay. Here's one of the comments. Return to the USA to eat hamburgers and chips from McDonald's. Not the most compassionate statement, but here's another one. It derives from the fact that in the USA, everything is bought already cooked. American women in the kitchen are a disaster. Yeah, some of you are getting ready. They do not even know how to make a hard egg. Is what this is. This is not mine. This is. These these are comments. It's like here's another. It's likely. It's likely that from one of those three could come the next U.S. Secretary of State or the next president. Be careful. 
Isn't that typical though, right? That's typical. Someone does something, you're like, really? And we do not extend compassion. Now there's more to the story. There's a chef, uh, literally his name, Fabio, which is awesome. (laughs) Here's his response, a chef. I mean, come on. Could you not offend a chef more by burning down an apartment because you didn't put, right, right? What's the chef's response? Here's what it was. He sent them notice through the paper. I'd like to offer you a cooking class, four hours. (laughs) Invited them in and said, not only would I like to give you a four-hour cooking class for free, I want you to meet the rest of our chefs and I want you to have some meals with us and really enjoy Italian food and I want to train you. You make a response like that, the newspaper then follows up, right? They're like, what? And, and I thought this is, here, here. he was asked why he responded, and here's what he said. I think this can be useful to them. Well, <laughs> I think this can be useful to them. Watch, 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 watch. But also to us. I think this can be useful to them, but also to us. Understanding is always, understanding is always with simplicity and cognition what is beautiful and necessary. Now, I think he was on to something. Understanding is, is beautiful and necessary. I, I, think, I think he's on to something. He didn't know the series we were doing. Here's what I would, I would change one of the words, very simple. Compassion is beautiful and necessary. And Jesus knew it. And you know it. And we need to start looking at our 167 a little differently. To where, to where you and I look at what is the character trait of your whole week and what is the character trait of my week? Well, should it not look like Jesus? And that is compassion. When I tell you a story about someone who screwed up some pasta, you and I find it funny, and some of you were borderline offensive about like the women disaster kitchen. And then all of a sudden, something happened to your heart, didn't it? As soon as I tell you about the chef, all of a sudden something was like, that's the right answer, right? That's the right answer. Yep, it's the right answer. Walk that into your life. It's the right answer. So how? How do you and I actually not fake compassion? But how do we actually be compassionate individuals? I'm glad you asked. The Bible tells us. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. Don't miss the fact that in order to be kind to each other, do you see what you have to do first? Or you're faking it? Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now, here's what I know because you're normal, I'm normal for the most part, and here's what happens. When we read this, we're like, get rid of all bitterness, and I start to read stuff, and you're like, oh, man, one of those sermons. Before we get to the bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, let's talk about get rid of. Let's talk about that for just for a little bit. Get rid of. 
I think you and I have a tough time with get rid of. A lot of things. See, see, when you look at your life and I look at mine, and we look at the stuff even that we own or that we do in our lives, the things that we're emotionally connected to, and someone says, you need to get rid of that, you're like, those are fighting words. I mean, okay, in our family, we have a term. It's not a bathroom term. It's called a dump run. Does anyone know what a dump run is? Don't, by the way, if you're like, I don't know if I know what a dump run is. It's not a bathroom term. It's, it's when, when Katie, my wife, tells me, hey, have you seen the garage lately? And I'll be like, I've been ignoring it. It's been, it's been winter. And I go out there and realize that, yeah, there's some boxes that have just been there and some trash that didn't, like, well, we filled up the trash can, but it, did, it got too full and, and there's some stuff that we've unpacked or unboxed and Amazon's arrived to our house a little too much. And, and now in the garage, there's stuff that didn't make it into the trash can. And now we've done some cleaning and, and it's like, it's time to go to the dump. Because it didn't all fit in the trash can. In our home, we call it a dump run because, well, that just sounds fun. So sometimes we have to go to the dump in addition to just the regular trash pickup. And then we have to hide some things from our kids because sometimes, 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 a precious toy makes it in. (laughs) I have watched some of our kids have heartbreak as they look at what's in the trailer and they're like, oh, no. And we're like, it's broken. It's broken. They're like, they don't care, right? They're emotionally connected to it. Or maybe you've been to a garage sale where you're like, oh, I like that. But the person doing the garage sale is emotionally connected to everything that is on the, the pavement. And you, and you look at the price and you're like, you're charging what? For th- this should be thrown away. <laughs> but it's like his chair that he had for 30 years. You know, Is it not difficult when you think about the things in your life that that you get connected to? And then someone comes up to you and says, you should get rid of that. Do you see how tough this, this part of the Bible is? Because this isn't just getting rid of something that's broken or or old. Get rid of bitterness? Well, the only reason you have bitterness is because someone hurt you. And you're like, get rid of this is hard. Or if you're angry, upset. And all of a sudden you're like, get rid of it, but you, you, you got to get rid of it. In fact, I thought I'd walk this out here. Your bitterness, rage, and anger are causing you to waste your week. If you don't get rid of all of that stuff that you and I don't really like to talk about, and that might stir up some pain, you're in danger of wasting your week. And what does wasting your week look like? It means not living your purpose. And none of us want to be guilty of wasting our life, wasting our purpose, wasting our time on, on planet Earth. And if you don't want to waste it, it's not just about doing good things for people. It's about dealing with some of the stuff that's in your, your emotional garage that you need to get rid of. And what a time... <laughs> What a time on the calendar to talk about getting rid of things that we should get rid of. And some of you might be even find this so daunting. You're like, how in the world do I get rid of all of this hurt and pain? Well, one, you can't erase the memory of it. That's not what get rid of is. It means you've got to quit stepping over it and around it. So how do you do that? Well, if you just keep reading in Ephesians, we, we know how to do this. Imitate God. You're like, oh, my. 
I mean, I know we're in church, but can we admit, you're like, you read that, and you're like, that's what I got to do? Like, imitate the almighty, sovereign, all-power, all-knowing God. Imitate him? Well, stay with me, okay? Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. I understand this is a lot. Just because you are his dear children. Huh. Perhaps many of us have been unwilling to even try to imitate God because we've been unwilling to live as a child of his. Perhaps your first hurdle is just owning the fact that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son for you and wants to adopt you into his family and you don't deserve it, nor do I, but that grace and mercy is powerful and saves you and I. And when you own that, you're a bit more further down the road going, well, maybe I can imitate my new dad. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Now, here's, here's a bit of the how. Live a life filled with love. All right, all right, all right. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. Offered himself as a sacrifice for us. A pleasing aroma to God. You just got the key. You just got the how to begin to walk compassion out using the model Jesus gave us on how to even imitate God, compassion requires sacrifice. See, many of us, many of us have been trying to be compassionate when we feel like it. If you need full disclosure from a pastor, um, I don't always feel like it. And I don't think you always feel like it either. And many of us thought compassion was when, when we're in the mood. Yeah. When we're like, that um, sounds neat, yeah. Do you remember the, the get rid of part? You notice it didn't say, hey, when you feel like it, then spring clean. When, when you're in the mood, get rid of those things. When it feels right, get rid of it. No, it just said, get rid of it. As an ASAP. Compassion requires sacrifice. Jesus did this. The way Jesus was tired and exhausted and on his way to go retreat and chill. But yet he got stopped by this crowd. The reason he turned around and healed people and fed people and did all this stuff, he sacrificed something. Did you catch that? He sacrificed. I'm really tired. But he sacrificed. Stop waiting for moments of feeling and emotions and say, oh, oh, now I'm ready today to be compassionate. And then the days you wake up and then you just hate life, oh, those are the best days to show compassion because you don't feel like it. So what do you sacrifice? Well, according to the Bible, we see this, and we talk about this a lot as a church. These are your areas of typical sacrifice. You have time. I have no idea how much time you have or how much time I have, but you have some right now. And, and you can sacrifice that and give compassion. Time just listening to someone. Do you understand how many people are walking around right now? How many of your friends and your family and your coworkers and your enemies, if you would just listen to them and sacrifice some of your time for their benefit, do you understand you could actually change their life? The first week of the series, Pastor Dodd talked about time. If you don't know how to run your time, 
Go watch that sermon. It will help you run your time and perhaps give your time to others. Another is your talent. Many of us are talented at something. You have a talent of some sort that you could give to someone. You could actually be compassionate and say, I see your need, and I actually don't have to charge you for something I can do to help fix that. And then the classic one and the treasure one, right? Money. Money or resources or whatever. A lawnmower. I don't know. Whatever you've got, you will potentially have, have a moment that God gives you to take a a resource you have, and actually pass it on. Let me tie the sermon together. Here's what compassion is. Compassion is is when you connect your resources to someone else's need. Jesus gave us that beautiful example of when you see someone's need, and not, not whether or not you're angry or jealous or protecting yourself, or for whatever reason. It's when you see someone's need and you recognize that you you can take one of your resources and connect it. That's what Jesus did. That's what you and I are supposed to do. In fact, Easter is coming. Easter is actually, shockingly, only two weeks away. Do you know one of the most compassionate things you can do for someone else is to show them who Jesus is? I know many of us right now, we're thinking of different skill sets we have or resources or someone you can listen to. And that's good. That's good. Do that. But do not miss the opportunity that you currently have right now, two weeks away, that you could actually bring compassion, the ultimate gift of compassion, into someone's life by simply inviting them to know who Jesus is. Don't miss it. Don't say, like, well, it's just Easter. comes around every year. And, and No, 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 no. Use the moment. Easter. So here's, here's, your, final, uh, here's your final tip for compassion. I think this will help. Lead with compassion no matter what they lead with. Now, I did this on purpose the whole day. Who has a they in their life that it's not, you don't like them? Just seeing how honest you are. Who has a they in their life that you do not love to be around? See, some of you really struggle with being honest. It's... <laughs> See, the reason you're struggling, perhaps, is because you don't want to do this. But I think every one of us, whether that person has a name or maybe it's just a job that you did business at their place and lead with compassion no matter what they lead with. They. You have they in your life. And maybe you do like some of the they's. But you have a they. And they, they need you to show them compassion. If you enjoy watching the Olympics, one of the favorite things, one of the most popular things, one of the things that gets the most views is the four-person relay. I mean, it's like the thing. And if you aren't familiar with track or whatever, let me just give you the short on this. There's four people. And one person runs to another person around a track, gives them one of the, gives them this. And you're not supposed to drop it. It's a bad thing. Then that person runs to another person, gives them the same baton, then runs to another person. And then we get to that fourth person. And that's when you and I, if you're watching it on TV, you're like, 
Person two and three, you're like, eh. Fourth person. Because if they're behind, who that fourth person? Or if they're in the lead, you're like, don't you dare lose this race. Right? The fourth person. Big deal. Oftentimes, now I'm not a track expert. Oftentimes is the most dependable of the four. You're like, we know what they're going to do. They're not going to fall. They're going to grab the baton. This is going to work out. What if the day you were born, God knew that you would be listening to this right now. And a part of his plan for your life is that you would own the fact that you are likely the fourth person in another person's life, in another person's race. What if the next time you're at the register, that person needs you? You're their fourth person. You're their last source of hope. They're, they've been praying to God, God, would you just somehow prove to me that you exist? And it's you. Not with an argument, but with compassion. What if, what if the way you work or the way you go to school, what if you looked at it differently? That the people you came around with or walked with or, or engaged or talked to, what if, what if you said, I could be the fourth runner in their life. So I should own this. I hope, I hope that we're not just a church. I hope we are a people that thinks the fourth runner is us and that we own it and that we live it and that each day has value. Every 167 says, you know what, this is my chance to maybe be the hope for another person by bringing compassion into their lives. I hope you'll own it because if you ever look at the world and say, I don't think the world is right. Well, one, you're accurate. And the world needs, a broken, desperate world needs compassion. In the name of Jesus, needs compassion. So hopefully, when you see a need or you just see someone, you'll connect your resources, your time, talent, treasure, whatever, to their need. I'm going to give you one last step. I, I don't like church when, when you just get a sit. You might like it. So here's the deal. When, when you leave today, there's a, there's a big one, six, seven. Here's what I'd like you to do. When you leave, I want you to go up to the one, six, seven. And I want you to start writing names. Names of people that you know about that you're going to bring compassion to. Ooh, more specifically, that you're even going to invite to Easter. Maybe you think that way. You're like, here's who I'm going to diligently invite to Easter. And you just start writing names. I've already done it. I've already gone out there. Some of us have already started writing names. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring compassion to this person. I'm going to invite him. And, and if you know, David, what are you going to do at Easter? I'm going to tell him who Jesus is. I'm so excited about Easter. We have Easter at our locations this year. I'm so ecstatic about that, that we get to actually on site tell him who Jesus is. So that's going to be your, you got work to do. There you go. There's your homework. To go to the 167 and write names. And if you're like, I don't know their name, then write barista that you know, whoever their person's name is. Or, or target person or, or Walmart person, wherever you go, whatever. Write names or their job titles or your students or your coworkers. 
Begin to live your 167 like Jesus did, full of compassion, saturating this community with compassion. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is to hear from you through your Bible, through your spirit. God, what a blessing that we get to actually engage you. So Lord, I pray right now, one, that for those dealing with the, the bitterness and the rage and, and the anger and, and, the, and just the evil that's, that's prevalent in their lives, God, would you help us to overcome that by sacrificing, by, by actually dealing with it so we could live like you lived. Lord, I pray for Easter. It's just a couple weeks away, and God, you're using Easter in ways that are just incredible. Lord, would you, would you draw people to our locations who don't know you, who don't like church, who aren't certain about you, and we commit to you to showing them who you are. Lord, help us to be a group of people who brings compassion all over the place in your name. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus who gave us the example. Amen.